Um, I don't think I actually told anyone but Chase mm-hmm. what I decided to name this arc. Uh-huh. Um, hi, my name is Zan. I like to name things that no one knows how to pronounce. Welcome to Imprinted Echoes Anamnesis. <laughs> This is this is your this is your payback for me naming both of my characters things that are impossible to pronounce. <laughs> That's true. I think it took me four tries to get Fahura. <laughs> Some of us are still on that journey. <laughs> That's very fair. Listen, I'm here to facilitate your growth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that how that is? That's uh, how that works. Anamnesis is, uh, generally speaking, anamnesis is the remembering of things from a supposed previous experience. Ah. So, <laughs> right, which is forgetting Ooh. things from a previous experience. Oh, okay. I like that. That's very cool. Also kind of like the accounting of one's past, the remembering of things that have happened to you. So partially because I really and truly think going to be the season of backstory. I can't imagine why you think that. <laughs> We're going to hit a lot of them pretty hard off the bat, too, I think. So... Before we begin, each of you has a box. Yeah, we have a box in front of us. There is, in fact, a box. A box. Feel free to open the box. This is my thank you for finishing up season one and welcome to season two gift. Oh, no. (gasps) Zanzibar. What is that? Oh. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) So. So what everyone has here is it, it, it swivels open. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has a round little wooden box with the order of truth not uh, carved on top. <laughs> and uh, you all gave me some colors for your characters a while back. <laughs> and uh, I got you some dice with those colors. Mm-hmm. And I also ordered some shins as made. I saw <laughs> They are. Oh As ordered from uh, Monty Cook Games, they have a bunch of little metal money pieces. They're really cool. They are very, and they're they're hefty too. Like they have some some nice. I know. I like to make jewelry out of these. They're so cool. I'm gonna gonna, uh, take a second and get some of that like Dyson shin fully in there. I know this is. (laughs) But yeah, thank you for um, embarking on a wonderful journey with me. Thank you. Oh, good. I love all of this. So cool. One billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, Or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. And Amnesis, noun. The recollection or remembrance of the past. Reminiscence. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. I'm Zan, and I continue to be your GM. Thank you for joining us today, and as always, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. 
We are so excited to present you with Imprinted Echoes Season 2, Anamnesis. Obviously, this will be the same characters you all know and love. But in this season, we're going to new places and introducing much more of the world than you've previously seen here before. Not to mention the story arc that I have mapped out, which I personally am ridiculously giddy about. I sincerely can't wait for this to unfold. Just as a heads up, we were lucky enough to be able to record this kickoff session in person. So while the first episodes of this season will still have the same great content and quality you're used to, it might sound a little bit different. A lot is changing for our sound sojourners. After careful consideration, rebuilding, and planning, they have decided to journey to the Steadfast, a place where they each left something significant behind. One who ran from a life worth escaping, one who walked away and waited for something to follow, and one who simply wished to let the rougher life be a memory. Regardless of their reasons, now is the time to return. Travel begins, dangers are faced, and hardships are overcome. Join us as Nehemiah, Smallren, and Jory set out to face their most treacherous foe yet, their pasts. Let's get into the main meat of this, then. Yeah. It has been two months since what was dubbed the Feast of Songs in Legam, where different groups of people came together to celebrate returning to the various homes that they had been able to find a way to. In that time, you had decided that you are going to travel, move away from the community that you have helped create over the past number of months and try to find Jory's brother. You don't have much information to go on at first. So, Smallren had asked Adriel to reach out to some of her contacts to see if there was any information that could be gathered there. She got a little bit of information. You know that Dremlin is somewhere in the Steadfast, not anywhere in the beyond at this point anymore. There is a person in Sturthal named Habina who is willing to meet with you and give you more details, probably for a price, but that's as much as Adriel's able to get you at the moment. She mentions that most of her contacts are a little more self-serving than she is. Once a plan was made, the entire community kicked into high gear. Fahura starts getting supplies together, making sure that you have absolutely everything you need to make the journey. She can't stock you up with enough food to 100% get you there, but she darn well tries. <laughs> she works with Rufus to make you a portable hydrator slash dehydrator with a machine that will help rehydrate it as well as dehydrate anything you come along on the path. Smallrin does make delicate inquiries as to the size and consciousness status of what can be dehydrated. <laughs> Before you get any further, no, you can't use this to kill people. I wasn't necessarily asking about killing but please don't use my devices for cannibalism. I was never going to cannibalize anybody. I was simply going to observe that if we needed information, the dehydration of extremity could perhaps be used as a persuasive tactic. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and she just walks away. <laughs> Suddenly it has a whole bunch of new safety features. Yeah. Like the door has to be shut for it to start working. Ahura is no fun. And what's the point of bringing an entire machine with us if it doesn't have multiple purposes? <laughs> it's a unitasker. Exactly. <laughs> Food prep, torture. Come on. <laughs> Give me something. Depending on who you ask, that's the same thing. Oh, I've worked in professional kitchens. I know. (laughs) In addition to making the hydrator slash dehydrator, Rufus also decided to work on a gift to send along with you all. Knowing how much you all love Bot-Bot, but unwilling to part with their beloved companion. As they darn well should be. Absolutely. (laughs) They make you a younger sibling named (laughs) Bit-Bit. Bit-Bit. Bit-Bit is significantly smaller and doesn't have nearly the number of features that Bot-Bot does. <laughs> it hovers rather than walking on tread. Usually about shoulder to head height, not much taller than that. Can record and play back messages if need be, so you can use it as a messenger between people, assuming it knows where to go. And it is homing beacon compatible. If something were to happen, it can either make it back to one of you three who has the individual homing beacon, and if that fails, it will go back to Lickum. Wait, does BitBit need a charging port? Does BitBit need charging? (laughs) Yes, you can have a BitBit charging pauldron. (laughs) Put it on the sheet. That's going on my experience. Go for it. (laughs) By all means. Unfortunately, BitBit is too small to have gelato-making capabilities, but <laughs> but it does have a memory store of every gelato recipe currently created. If there is a gelato recipe, BitBit has it. Okay, so here's the question, though. Is it gelato recipes known to Lagam or any gelato recipes ever? Because we are a billion years in the future. There could be a lot more like, there are eight civilizations of unaccounted for gelato. I'm going to say that BitBit has a small connection to the data sphere. (laughs) Specifically for gelato. Gelato Gelato-themed data sphere spikes. (laughs) I was going to say, I like to imagine that somehow Rufus stumbled across some sort of just mother load of culinary information. And so there's recipes in there with ingredients that have been extinct for thousands of years. Yeah. Absolutely. There there are a handful that are just completely gibberish. Mm-hmm. Just telling you to put salt in the maker and hope for the best. <laughs> Please add three milk. <laughs> Rufus has become a real big binging with Babish fan. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, yes, yes. It is a long trip to Sturthal, at least a month and a half to get there. And you will have to go through the Black Riage Mountains. It would have been nice to have a little bit more information before you left. But looking at the time of year it is, winter is quickly approaching. And as soon as that season is in full swing, Sirden's Pass, which is the closest area through the mountains there, becomes completely impassable. So we're, we are signing ourselves up to be gone for minimum six months. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool, cool. There is another way back through. If you wanted to come back before that, the Tremble Pass, a little bit farther north, oh sure, is passable during the winter. 
but the southern two passes, Sirdens and Garlmave, are just messes of snow isn't, during winter. Isn't that how the OG squad came out? The OG the squad came through Tremble Pass, yeah. Oh, okay. From Charmond through Tremble Pass, yep. yes. And then south. So instead, this time, you are heading southwest to Sirdens Pass and passing through there to get to Sturthal, which is in the city-state country of Malevich. I like to think of this as our semester abroad. <laughs> We're going to go backpacking across the Black Rage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we literally are. We, absolutely, absolutely, that's what's happening. Yeah. Truly, you are. Mm-hmm. Got to take a lot of pictures for the gram. At least one of us is coming back with a weird piercing like, <laughs> or a tattoo. It's big. It's big. <laughs> <laughs> it's healthy. You're too young. All right. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to say the unofficial name for this season is Bit Bit's Big Adventure, but <laughs> forget the weird words that uh, that I decided work. Forget anamnesis. No, Bit Bit's Big Adventure. <laughs> Guys, we have a new main character. Yeah, new main character. I'll just start dropped. working on the T-shirt. Yeah. Yay. Not before the meat place shirt. I am still waiting for the I still meat place owe shirt. You, I still owe you bot bot art, too. I, that's like three quarters of the way done. No worries. Rufus also gives each of you two ciphers, because I know you used a lot of them over the course of the last season, and they would want to load you up and make sure you have everything you possibly could at the moment. Mm-hmm. So two ciphers, if you'd like them, we can roll or draw. I'll draw. Cool. I've got the phase changer. Puts the user out of phase for one minute. During this time, the user can pass through solid objects as though she were entirely insubstantial. Like a ghost. You have a little club. She cannot make physical attacks or be physically attacked. So you're Jory. I'm Jory. Yeah, it's the the Jory box. (laughs) The Jory cipher. And then I will draw... Drawl, 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 drawl. Uh, second one. That is the subdual field. Two rounds after being activated, the device creates an invisible field that fills a specified area, such as a cube and of a certain size, within long range of the device. The field lasts for one minute. It affects the minds of thinking beings within the field, preventing them from taking hostile actions. The effect lasts as long as they remain in the field. And for 1d6 rounds after, although the intellect defense roll is allowed each round to act normally. And I will roll a d6 once more to get the level of that. That is a 6. That is a level 9 cipher. Yikes. There we go. All right. And I will start getting those added into my sheet. Uh, I will do one roll, I think, because I still have my mystery god cipher that I'm afraid to get rid of. Because the second we need one... (laughs) Right. I think, darn, I left it in my other pants. I left that god in my other pants. <laughs> left the god in my other pants. No paint. It's called no paint? It's called no paint. Applying this paint to a non-living object. Smaller in. Non-living. Uh, <laughs> smaller than a person makes it transparent to light. What I'm hearing from this is that we could paint Bit-Bit and make Bit-Bit invisible. And Bitbit could fly around and do our nefarious bidding yep. without being seen <laughs> for an hour. Bitting. <laughs> bitting. Bitting. Oh my God. Um, I do currently have two ciphers, but I might okay. get rid of one or both of them. Totally up to you. Actually, yeah, if you're okay with me 
pulling two cards and then I'll decide whether yeah, that's fine. The, the things I have are things I need to keep. That works. Since neither of them are quite as important. A three. So number two, ranged combat knowledge enhancement. Uh, for the next 28 hours, the user has training in all ranged attacks. That sounds like that could be useful. Yeah. Sloan's going to hang on to that until she can get her hands on a missile launcher and then... <laughs> Watch out! <laughs> All right. And then for my second trick, a force screen projector creates an immobile plane of solid force up to 20 feet by 20 feet or six... It's interesting. It specifies 6.1 meters by 6 meters. So it is slightly longer than it is tall <laughs> for one hour. The plane conforms to the space available. Smallern probably will not take that with her, but she is going to take the ranged combat knowledge enhancement because knowledge is power, kids. All right, so what are you getting rid of then? I'm going to get rid of the friction-reducing gel. Okay. As much fun as that sounds. <laughs> But I am I am going to hang on to the rejuvenator because that sounds like yeah. that could be very useful at some point. Yep. Oh, I also would assume that we're at full pool. Yeah, full okay. pools at this point. Brain trust is back, baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why that got me. <laughs> I think this might be the first time I've had a, a full might pool in like a year. <laughs> You've just been slightly wounded. This yeah. I don't know that you ever quite recovered I, after I literally the did not with, uh, uh, the jellyfish things, the weird squid thing. Yeah, mm. oh, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think I ever recovered because I would always dump uh, recovery rolls back into speed and intellect as long as I wasn't actually dying. Yeah. What is might then moving your speed and intellect around? Root exactly. This is, I am intellect piloting a meat suit. Yes. <laughs> Yep, I'll go with it. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> Rufus loads you all up with ciphers, with equipment, with bit bit. Fahura loads you up with food and provisions. And Adriel loads you up with as much information as she can give you. Mm -hmm. As you are heading out to start on your journey, early morning with your anines and packs all ready to go, a fourth anine joins you as Brex rides up. Simon <laughs> say that that would have been my request, but I didn't want to. Brex has, in the two months, spent a lot of time reconnecting with Nick mm -hmm. and has decided that apparently they're going to go with you. Okay. Molly does uh, approach you and see you all off, but he decides to take a slightly less adventurous route for a little while and see what living in a small settlement is like rather than working as a scavenger and delver. Good for Molly. Sometimes you gotta try a different speed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that speed is slow. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I also would like to imagine that while we are gone off on our you know great quest on BitBit's Great Adventure, Molly is having the equivalent of like some sort of dating sim like very, <laughs> no. very gentle like farm game slash dating sim where molly learns to love again and finds peace and contentment in a small community are you just saying that molly should be playing stardew valley Precisely. and like that's exactly what i am picturing <laughs> <laughs> molly deserves a quiet happy life okay i'm not saying he doesn't <laughs> 
at some point we'll do a uh, episode where I'll play Molly and you, the three of you, can play the original NPCs. And we'll do some cozy game. <laughs> oh my gosh, can that be? Can that be a Patreon episode at some, at some point? point? Yeah. Lounging through Lagar. Yes. <laughs> the first leg of the journey is going to be the longest. It will take you through the plains of Kataru down southwest until you get to Sirdan's Pass to get through the mountains. It'll take the first 20 to 25 days, almost half the beginning of your journey. Within the first handful of days, not a whole lot happens. You know this area pretty well. The surrounding area of Legam is pretty chill. You have your handful of creatures and predators and things like that. Maybe the occasional band of roving abhumans, but nothing more than you can't either handle or stay out of the way of. Mm -hmm. About four or five days along this path, you set up camp along a small oasis that you find. And along this area, set up your tents and kind of sit there, making sure that everything is safe and good to camp. And the pool of water nearby, who would be the first to approach it? Probably Nehemiah. Okay. Nehemiah, you head up to the pool of water and maybe splash a little bit on your face or take a look, make sure that it's like clean water. And as you're standing there, you look at your reflection and above your reflection in the water is an image of what your thoughts currently are. Mm. What do we see in the reflection? Honestly, in that moment, probably just some kind of like a reflection of relief. I think it's probably been a long day. It has been a, a hot day. And so splashing that water on is just like Nehemiah is really in that moment. So it's probably like a weird recursive thing for like just a second because it's Nehemiah seeing himself who is also seeing himself who is also seeing himself and then it probably goes cloudy as soon as he realizes like wait what am I seeing? <laughs> Get that infinity mirror mm-hmm. image of Nehemiah and then it kind of like there's a ripple that goes across the pond as it kind of evaporates for a moment and in confusion and mm-hmm. and thought. Anyone else who comes up ends up seeing the same thing. So who would go up next? If Nehemiah stayed there kind of looking confused, who would approach? Smallrin would walk up next to him. She also has, I would imagine, has something in her poison pack that helps her test for poison. That sounds right. Coming to check the drinking water. For sure. And as you bend down to take a sample of it, above your head, in your reflection, are your current thoughts. What do we see? (laughs) I'm scared, I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. Because she was already walking up to test the water, but then Nehemiah kind of like startles a little bit, and she notices, and there is a very brief but vivid flash of the the jellyfish monster, because... That was that was in a pool of water, like that. Sure was. Do um, I see. You do. Okay. Yeah. There's a very like they're combined with like as she's kind of first leaning over, you see she's picturing the vial and like the mm-hmm. thing she had, like her process for testing the quality of the water. But there is just a very vivid flash of the jellyfish monster and a little a little bit of fear there, like sure. just instinctual recoil of Mm -hmm. not wanting to tangle with that again. Gotcha. And as soon as you approach, you see that flash and I imagine it almost immediately goes away as you kind of like steal your thoughts against that. I'm assuming. Well, there's there's a hot moment where she actually like almost drops the flask she's holding and her forearm blade comes out. Nice. That, he starts to pick up like, 
Oh, weird. I think the water can read our thoughts. That doesn't sound like something water can do. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, I, look, I'm just seeing what's in front of me. Jory? Yes? <laughs> do you join? Um, I, I hear the mumblings of the water can read your thoughts, and I come running up. <laughs> of course. Oh, that sounds interesting, but... Okay, here's a question. We can read our own thoughts, can't we? So... <laughs> I mean, yeah... I think that's called thinking. So what's what's the point of this water, then? Not that I'm upset with... Well, the water, I mean, you can see what the two of us are also thinking. Ah, good. So, Jory, what do we see for you? I was hoping to get everybody else's opinion, so I I, I model up. Are you you coming up with outfits for BitBit? No, no, quite the opposite. (laughs) I don't know what the opposite (laughs) I, I can't say the joke that I want to make. This is a family-friendly not, not the opposite. Let me rephrase. Not that. So what I see is myself scooping gelato and handing it to people as if it's a shop. Now that looks real nice. Good. Okay. I didn't know how wild it was because the uh, base strawberry seemed a bit different. But you it sounds refreshing. It does. I thought so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Basil. <laughs> you all stand there looking at each other's thoughts, and they probably shift and change a little bit as you're standing there. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm, that thing. And sometimes it is a little bit out of your control as your mind wanders and the image morphs a little bit more than you were expecting it to into something that might be in your subconscious rather than immediately at the surface. There is a moment where all of a sudden the jellyfish monster is holding several gelato cones in its various (laughs) appendages. (laughs) Are they all different? They are all different. It seems to be taste testing them. Is that small rinse thought or Jory's thought? It's unclear. Can it combine into one? Can, can like things visit my mental? mental yeah, I, 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 think, I think that it, the first the first time it like it is very much small rinse thought. Like it seems to be a subconscious thing of like she's just kind of blending the two. But then I think that it then like pops into Jory's thoughts once she sees it. And yeah. I think Nehemiah's just trying to like at that point is trying to like create the bridge in between the two thoughts. <laughs> I imagine that you both have come up on either side of him. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a contiguous, exquisite corpse of thought. <laughs> and then Smallrin realizes that she's thought of a jellyfish monster holding gelato cones, like some kind of whimsical something or other. And that is definitely how you defeat her bogger. And she, yep. she starts furiously thinking of like poison vials and mm-hmm. sharp objects and you just see like this this like foop, 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 foop of like her trying to think of things well. that, that aren't whimsical and gelato related what are you doing to my shovel <laughs> I can think my own thoughts I, yes I think but they're bleeding into mine I think after a moment she's actually going to see handing off a phone it's going to be her brother. She's handing it to you for just a second. Well, I think I'm going Yeah, I should start setting up. I could stand here all night, but... Smolin wants to make a lap around the edge of this 
pool of water mm-hmm. and see because again water doesn't do that <laughs> not usually not usually and barring you know magic which isn't supposedly a thing um it is but it's very arthur c clark magic yeah. it's very sufficient technology is indecipherable for magic mm-hmm. which basically smallrin's like there's a device there's some something is going on there's something somewhere so uh, Smallrin is going to go looking for it. You go looking around the pool of water. It's not big. It's it's not even the size of a lake. It's like a very small pond. There is nothing around the outside edge. You surmise that it might be at the bottom. Of course it is. She finally does test the water to make sure it's not poisonous. Perfectly drinkable. Uh, There's nothing wrong with it. Perfectly drinkable. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. It is cool. potable. Not a potent potable. But... <laughs> <laughs> She decides she doesn't have to know right away, and she goes back to the, the fire. All right. You all make camp, and it is uneventful otherwise. Do you go swimming down to the bottom? It's okay if not. As much as knowledge is power, she decides that after nothing happens in the night, no one has weird dreams, nothing comes and attacks them. There's some things that just are not germane to the quest we are currently on. She does not need to know. Sometimes things are just weird. Sometimes things are just weird. And sometimes even having a skill in overcoming fear, intimidation, or panic is not enough to get you back in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Water spooky. Water spooky. Who knows what lurks in the darkness there? Mm-hmm. It's both the opposite of like an inspiration person, but also very good advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You continue southwest as you move along the path to your south is a massive forest known as the Ba'adenu Forest. It is sparse and woody on the outside edges, and you know that as you get further in, it becomes a dense, thick jungle. Thankfully, you don't have to go through it, but you are skirting the edge of it. And one day, probably about halfway through your entire trip, as you are a little bit closer to the tree line than you have been previously, you hear a massive roar coming, crashing through the trees, and you see a gyroscar. This is one of the most terrifying beasts to encounter out in the open. It is essentially shaped like a dinosaur, like a massive T-Rex with a deep red coloring and bright white stripes all up and down. Except instead of small hands, it has what look like flippers, but are actually very sharp. It's like a T-Rex crossed with a lionfish. It's really cool. Yes, that is exactly how you can describe that. Wow. Yeah. And these things are incredibly efficient predators. You do, I'm going to say, survive this encounter. (laughs) (laughs) I am not going to run us through combat. I would like to know what you do to either defeat or get away from this. As a group, how do you get out of this? You do. How does it happen? I have a question. Yes. Considering it is similar in looks to a lionfish, Mm -hmm. are those spikes coming off of it in any way poisonous? They are not. That very much changes how Tauren is going to interact with this creature. Because if they were, she wanted one. (laughs) It comes charging in at you. These things are known to charge and bite first and think later. Sure. I 
think I know what Nehemiah would do. In okay. This. He would urge the other two with the fourth anine forward and use himself as bait. As this thing gets right up on it, as it's about to champ down, drops one of his ciphers, the crystal wall. Oh, nice. Which creates a 10 foot by 10 foot blue crystalline wall that lasts for four hours and grants everything behind it plus one armor. However, a 10 foot by 10 foot wall appearing directly in this thing's mouth will dis like that dispatches most things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it crunches down on this crystal wall and you hear teeth breaking and some of the crystal shattering a little bit. And oddly enough, this completely distracts it. <laughs> Not only does it stop it, but it seems more interested in the crystals than it does in you. Excellent. You have, oddly enough, stumbled upon part of the thing that I did not tell you here. <laughs> uh, Jerskars have a motive of hungers for flesh, but their environment is that they hunt alone or in pairs in wooded areas and are drawn to large crystals. Wow. Oh, <laughs> wow. So you just gave this thing Very its good. favorite toy. Yeah, no, I, I ran on down to PetSmart. <laughs> <laughs> Swung into Zach and Griffin's multiversal pet shop. Yes. And got it its favorite toy ever. <laughs> yep. You sure did. Jiro Scar, irritable, seeming to never stop hungering for flesh. It may need some enrichment in its environment. <laughs> Head on down to Zach and Griffin's multiversal pet shop and pick up a crystalline wall. <laughs> Shifty Machuchio's cracked crystalline borium. <laughs> <laughs> the best crossover, let me tell you. <laughs> the two of you, both Smallren and Jory, take... Nehemiah's Anine and you start running away as he deploys this and Brex kind of does a large circle back and galloping as fast as they can does the one arm down to you and hoists you up onto the back of the Anine as the Jerskar chomps down and you ride off away. Wait, wait, wait. Can you roll to see if you do the Legolas thing? <laughs> oh, you can. <laughs> oh, That's <yeah>. fine. <laughs> Please. I... I That'll be speed. <laughs> and I have impressive display. I just do. You it. just do it. Yes. Very good. Very uh, good. Nehemiah, after being scooped up, is cackling. <laughs> just having the best oh, time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that just yeah, yeah love it. You'll love to see it when a plan comes together. Hi, my wake down. The full time. Yeah. Let's not do that again. No, seriously, let's not. I don't have any more of those. <laughs> you continue along your way. Thankfully, you don't run into anything nearly as dangerous as that. Thank you so much for listening to episode 76 of Imprinted Echoes and the first episode of our season two. I know I said it before, but it bears repeating that I'm so very excited to see where this story takes us and even more excited to share it with you. I hope you'll come along for the rest of the ride. As always, if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes and our website, imprintedechoes.com. There you can find links to the Ghostlight Media merch store and our Patreon if you're able to help us out monetarily. And on that note, I'd like to thank Jeremy, Nate, and Connor for their continued support. If you'd like to help in other ways, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review, and tell a friend about the show. And of course, you can find our hosts on Twitter, myself at Covered in Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, 
Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. And be sure to follow our network, Ghostlight Media, at GLM Pods. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll come back in two weeks to hear another episode of Imprinted Echoes and Amnesis. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zane Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenley, and is edited by Alex Berkowitz. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.